0: Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. We'll be continuing our study in the book of Acts today. Before we get into the text, let me remind you of the context of this count. So the account we'll be reading today is of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, I want to remind you of the context because you get the context for it at the end of, of chapter 4. Verse 34 tells us of chapter 4, There was not a needy person among them, describing the early church. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. That statement is very important as we look at the account of Ananias and Sapphira coming in chapter 5. But I want to make a couple of points about this generous giving that was going on in the early church. Uh, Two things. First of all, this giving was entirely voluntary. This was not communism or socialism uh, where the sharing of property is legislated. The state tells you that you have to give up these things. This was uh, just ordinary people like you and me. Uh, Some of those who had means graciously were sharing with those who had no means, those who were in need. They just decided on their own to do that. This did not mean, second of all, that there was no private ownership of property. That continued in the church, and it's evident throughout the New Testament. We see people owning homes in which Christians met together. There were often uh, house churches in different people's homes Uh, that are recorded for us in scripture people continue to own land and property in the church and we see that here in chapter 4 and we will see it as we read chapter 5 as well Peter is going to make it plain in our text that it was Ananias's choice as to whether or not he sold the field that he did sell and uh, it was his choice whether or not he donated part or all of it to the church it was completely his decision Again, this was not communism or socialism or any other ism uh, for that matter. Nevertheless, it was incredible generosity. The early Christians valued their brothers and sisters in Christ far above their personal property and wealth. That's a really astounding thing as we live in such a materialistic culture today. You have to remember there were no government-provided programs like welfare or disability people in financial and or physical distress in those days were reduced to begging. And we see that on a number of occasions, especially in the Gospels, where people were reduced to begging, especially those who had some kind of physical handicap. But these Christians in the first century church did not want to see their friends struggling to survive, so they shared what they had with those in need. And the needy, did not continue to be needy. They had no needs anymore. tells us there was not a needy person among them. That didn't mean they ran the poor out of the church. That means the the poor stopped being poor. They stopped being needy. They helped one another get to a place where need was eliminated among the people. And for us to duplicate this in our day, it would not only take spirit-filled generosity, but it would take a lot of transparency and humility as well, as we'll see uh, as we continue on. Now, here at the end of chapter 4, we're introduced to a fellow named Barnabas, and we will encounter Barnabas on several occasions as we proceed through the book of Acts. He, and He is one of these individuals who is commended for selling uh, selling a field and donating the proceeds of that sale to the church for the relief of those in need. And so we transition now into chapter 5 and the account of Ananias and Sapphira. It tells us here that a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. This is God's inspired and infallible word. Well, I wonder uh, how you would feel if we pulled out the church's financial records, the giving records, and compared your giving to others in the church. And what if the church published the percentage of your giving to uh, uh, your giving your the percentage of your tithe against your yearly income. Would it be 10%? You know, What if we publish that? Well, I, I would think that would prove to be very uncomfortable for the overwhelming majority of us in this room. Not only for those of us who would be exposed as giving less, but even for the small percentage of people who actually do tithe 10% or even more uh, of their income. We feel that's a matter that's just between us and God. And uh, it really is no one else's business, and we're happy to keep it that way. And we're not going to do that, I want to assure you. But but here before us today in Acts chapter 5 uh, is the giving record of the early church. For everyone to see, well, at least a couple of people's giving records, not everybody in the church. Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira... Both sell fields and and give money to the church, but one, Barnabas, is commended for his deed, while the other two, Ananias and Sapphira, are severely judged. It's a very solemn chapter before us this morning. This this, uh, account, indeed, is one of the more disturbing passages in the New Testament. So why the difference? Why the difference between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira? Why is Barnabas held up as an example of good generosity and Ananias and Sapphira are struck down dead? Because of their actions, which on the outside look exactly like Barnabas' actions. One might incorrectly uh, assume that it is because Barnabas gave the full amount of the sale price of his field to the church, while Ananias and Sapphira only gave a portion of the sale price of their field to the church. And you might say, well, Tim's about to tell us that we need to, to bring uh, the full tithe into the storehouse. And yeah, that would be a good idea. I would love to say that. But I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that this morning. That's not the point of this sermon. Uh, what's the difference? Why, why is there a difference? Well, it's not because of the amount that they brought. This is not the reason. The text actually tells us the reason for the difference. Look at how Peter explains it to Ananias in verse 3. He says it's because he has lied to the Holy Spirit. He repeats that uh, again. Uh, Peter explains that he has lied not only to the Holy Spirit, but he describes it as lying to God. Uh, here in verse 3, 4, 5, Peter explains that the field belonged to him. He did not even have to sell the the field. And he says, once you've sold the field, the funds were yours. They were at your disposal. You you could have done whatever you wanted to with that uh, money. You didn't have to give it to the church. But he is lying to the Holy Spirit and to God when he says... We sold this field and we are donating the full sale price to the church because that's not what he was doing. That was the lie. Now, if he had come to the church and said, Church, we have sold a field and we are going to give a portion of the proceeds to you, I'm convinced that that would have been just fine. I don't believe that would have resulted in him being struck down dead. It was the deception that was going on that was the problem. They lied to the church. They did not want to give all the money, but they wanted it to look like they gave all the money. This was greed and vanity, or at least materialism and vanity. So There's two things that were important to Ananias and Sapphira. Number one, keeping some of the money was important to them. The second thing was looking generous in front of the entire church was important to them. Now they could have given all the money, but that would have only accomplished one of those things. They would have given the whole price of the land, that would have made them look good in front of the church, but they wouldn't have been able to keep some of the money. Or, if they were honest about what they gave, they wouldn't have looked as good in front of the church. But, they would have been able to keep the money. See, this is classic hypocrisy. Wanting to look righteous without actually being righteous. And that's really the problem that's going on here. Hypocrisy. Ananias and Sapphira were hypocrites. They appeared to be righteous, but they really weren't. The term hypocrite, it actually means pretender or actor. It comes from the world of Greek drama. In antiquity, certain actors played more than one role uh, and uh, they indicated their role by holding a mask in front of their face. Now, if you see the symbol for uh, the theater is usually two masks, one smiling, one frowning, you know, drama, comedy, and these masks are something like what they would have used. Uh, A good actor was a hypocrite. Uh, He was a pretender, an actor. He appeared to be something that he wasn't. But in time, the word transitioned to come to mean uh, or to describe people who are guilty of intentional forms of deception. A hypocrite pretends either to be more righteous or less sinful than they really are. More specifically, a hypocrite is someone who publicly and indignantly denounces certain sins while secretly he does them himself. Or, to flip it around, as is the case of Ananias and Sapphira, they are people who act like they're really righteous when they're really not. They put on a good show of righteous when they're really not. They go hand in hand. Hypocrisy is a lie to people. But ultimately, as Peter points out, hypocrisy is a lie to God, the Holy Spirit. When they lie to the church... They lied to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit dwells in uh, the church. Their offering was brought to God through the church, to the church, but the offering was not what they said it was. They were misrepresenting it. It was a lie to the Holy Spirit. When they lied to the Holy Spirit, they lied to God because God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Not only was it a lie to God and a lie to to the Holy Spirit and a lie to the people in the church, but it was also a testing of the Spirit, as Peter says in verse 9. Peter says to Sapphira, You have agreed together with Ananias to test or tempt the Spirit of the Lord. They tested the Spirit by trying to get away with their deception. Children uh, and adults need boundaries. Uh, Anybody who's a parent or a teacher should know this. And everybody who's an adult should know this. People need boundaries. Um, They need to know the rules and the consequences of breaking those rules. Children will often test the boundaries. You know, you say to a child, don't touch that, it's hot. Uh, If you touch that, you'll get burned. And then, of course, the little boy can't stand it. (laughs) He has to test the boundary. And he touches the hot thing and gets burned. Ananias and Sapphira tested the Holy Spirit. They were thinking, we can lie and no one, including God, will find out. We can deceive the church, we can deceive God, we can deceive the Holy Spirit. They tested God, and just like the little boy, it didn't go well for them. They did not consider that they would have to answer for God for their deception. They thought that they could get away with it without consequences. Maybe they didn't even consider the consequences. They were just thinking about themselves. They lied to the church, they lied to God, and they lied to themselves. They fooled themselves in thinking that God would not care, that God would not do anything about it, that there would be no consequences for their actions. And that's what Peter means when he says, you and Ananias... Sapphira, have tempted or tried the Holy Spirit. All along, they were the ones who were deceived in thinking that God didn't see or didn't care what they were doing. Well, they received some very harsh consequences for overstepping that boundary. We might think that this judgment that they received, the judgment of death, immediate death, Uh, was a bit harsh. I mean, how many of us here today do exactly the same thing as they did? We act like we're good Christians and good church members, but we don't tithe. Research tells us that only 5% of people actually tithe. And that was in 2007, statistics that I saw from Barna Research Group. It might even be worse today. The Bible in Malachi says that we are robbing God when we don't tithe. Now, a lot of us are robbing God, myself included. No one here has been struck down dead for not giving 10%, thankfully. We seem to get away with it, and we think it's no big deal. Why Why didn't they get away with it? Why did they immediately get struck down? We think, wow, that's pretty harsh. Well, I don't know for sure why uh, this happened like it did, Perhaps, and and, uh, I'm getting this from other commentators as well who are speculating, perhaps it was because the church in Acts 5 was the only church in the world. I mean, this was the the church, uh, it was it. it it. There was no other church around. It was the church in Jerusalem and none other. And uh, it's in its infant stages, very fragile, early stages of development, and God is being especially protective of his people. He's protecting the church against the sin of hypocrisy, and that's very important. You'll remember that Jesus, throughout his public ministry, reserved his harshest condemnation for people who were hypocrites. You know, It wasn't uh, the prostitutes or the tax uh, collectors who were traitors to Israel. Uh, it wasn't those people or other sinful people, people who were identified as sinners who were condemned, it was hypocrites. It was religious people who who looked all righteous on the outside, but who really weren't righteous at all, like Ananias and Sapphira. Jesus called them uh, snakes and a brood of vipers and other very harsh things. So God is protecting his early church from this hypocrisy. He doesn't want it to come in. You know, they, ha- they are united, devoted to one another, sharing with one another, reaching out uh, with the gospel of Christ. The church is growing and getting stronger. And hypocrisy can cause the church to become uh, 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 divided. And uh, it, can, it can give it a bad name in the community at this early stage. Maybe that's why this judgment falls so swiftly and harshly on Ananias and Sapphira. Whatever the reason for the immediate judgment by death on Ananias and Sapphira, it's a reminder to us that hypocrites will be exposed by God just as Ananias and Sapphira were. Maybe it won't happen immediately like it happened with them, but it will happen and it will be a severe judgment. Revelation 20. John sees a vision of the end of the day of judgment, and he says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. Well, that's a harsh judgment that's coming for those who will be judged by their deeds. There will be no hypocrites on that day. It will all be exposed. Everyone will be seen for what they really are. The books will be opened. Everything will be laid bare. And anybody who's a hypocrite will be seen for what they truly are. Well, hopefully these thoughts will have the same result as it did on the people In Ananias and Sapphira, Peter and John's day, verse 11, where it says, Great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Great fear, a great awe, a great sense of God's power, uh, God's holiness, and that God is a judge to whom we will have to answer one day. Hopefully this will cause us to ask, how can I be saved? from this sin of hypocrisy. And I want to tell you. I must tell you. The answer to that is to be open now, not later. To be open, honest, transparent. Honest and transparent. I'm using those two words. Be, to be honest and transparent. Honest with God. Honest with God and honest with yourself. About yourself. And they're different. Uh, honesty... In transparency, they're similar, but they're different. Honesty is saying to this question, did you you steal $10 from the cash register? To be honest is to say, no, I did not. Transparency answers the question this way. Did you steal $10 from the cash register? No, I did not, but I did steal $5 from the cash register. You're still a thief, but you have shaded that with just being honest. Uh, Lawyers will tell you, don't incriminate yourself. Honesty, you can be honest without incriminating yourself. Being transparent lays it all open. You're being open and transparent. You're saying, Here's, here it all is. All my warts and everything. Now, if Ananias and Sapphira were just open and honest and transparent about, about their struggle, uh, about what they were doing, none of this would be... Would have would have happened. It probably wouldn't even be recorded for us. Maybe it would have been recorded for us as, a, as an example of, of how one can be honest and repent of their, of their sin and struggle that they're having with sin. See, it's, it, it, it makes sense. because We will all be exposed one day before God. If we wait to that last day, it will be too late. But if we come to God now, because you cannot deceive God, Ananias and Sapphira didn't deceive anyone. They didn't deceive God for sure. God was never fooled by their actions. We can't deceive God, so why not now come to Him and be open and honest with Him? You know, Jesus knows. He knows all about you. He knows all the the problems. He knows all your sins. You can't hide it from Him. And he's come for that very reason. Some people ask, is the church a hospital or a country club? Sometimes it's more like a country club, a place where well-adjusted people meet to feel good about themselves and to uh, look around and compare themselves and say, yes, we're all wonderful, uh, good-looking, happy, healthy people who have it all together. But the church is a hospital for sinners to come and find grace and mercy, because we are sinners. And that's what Jesus said when the Pharisees and the scribes, who were hypocrites themselves, they were grumbling at the disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." When we come to Christ and say, "Yes, I'm a sinner, Lord. Here's where I'm broken," He comes to be the physician to heal us, to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to restore us and redeem us. Pastors get lied to a lot. Uh, we we hear lots of stories, uh, you know, with with uh, sad. Sad endings and all kinds of sad events. And often we find out that the stories weren't exactly true and that people just wanted money. And I've had that happen to me recently. I'm much more open to people, uh, to helping people if they would just be honest. It would be so refreshing for someone to just come and say, you know, I went and spent all my money at the casino and I don't have any money left to eat and I need help. I would be much more inclined to help somebody who says, uh, you know, the baby needs diapers when you went and spent your money for the baby's diapers on drugs, and you don't say that. I don't have enough money to pay for the baby's food or whatever. That happens, too. I want people to be honest. I encountered somebody this week that would have been so much better off if they would have just been honest about their lives. They would have received compassion and forgiveness and help if they would have just said, here's my situation. Here's why I'm in this mess. But they continued to try to deceive the other people and the other people were just saying, we don't trust you because we just sense and believe and have, have very strong reason to believe that you're not being forthright and open and transparent with us. And so the, the barrier remained. But... If the, but that they just would be transparent and honest, that people would have compassion and they would get help. They would get what they really needed. If that's true of me or of any of us, if, if someone would just come and be honest with us and lay it all out there, and, and if we would be happy to help and to show compassion and love and mercy to them, how much more will God? How much more will Jesus Christ, who went to all the trouble to come from heaven and become a little baby to take on human flesh and and suffer through His whole life, ultimately dying on the cross for us. Will He not receive us more than I would or more than any other human being would? Yes, He will. So to be open and honest with God, About our sin, our brokenness, our struggle, uh, he's going to help clean that up if we just come to him and be open and honest. Ananias and Sapphira should have done that, but they didn't. And they received the consequences of that. You know, people say the church is full of hypocrites. That's one of the number one things that people have, uh, the the number one objection that people have to the church. The church is full of hypocrites, the church is full of sinners. That's true. And as long as we say that and admit that and confess that and say, yes, we're not real righteous people. We're we're all a bunch of people who are sinners, and and we don't have it all together. And that's what we are here at First Presbyterian Church. We don't have it all together. We're broken. We're messed up. Uh, But we're not hiding that fact. We don't want to be hiding that fact. We don't want to be like Ananias and Sapphira and hide that fact. We need his grace, that's why we're here. We're coming to him as the great physician to find healing for our souls. That's what we're all about. The church is only full of hypocrites when we stop admitting that, when we think we are a a country club of people with it all together. We're not. So don't tell us the church is full of hypocrites because we're not. We're not hypocrites, we're sinners. And we're honest about it. So the church is not full of hypocrites. May, we, may it not be full of hypocrites. May we be open and honest with God about our need and our sin and our brokenness and find healing and forgiveness and be able to share that with others. Let's pray together.